to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch, episode 92. Can we at least get through this without it being in all the papers? I'm Craig, and way the hell on the other side of the world, we have... Ben. Hello, Craig. How's it doing? All right. It's it's been a bit of a heat wave here in uh, here in England or here in my little bit of England for uh, the last few days. I've been told that this constitutes an English summer and I should enjoy it before it runs away. <laughs> we had a very very brief dip into the lows around two or three earlier in the week, and everyone went, "Oh my goodness, we're all dying!" It's crept up to the normal eighteen during the day <laughs> but yeah it, it, it decided that you know spring was winter briefly and was all a bit exasperating for a second the icy blast yeah it was it was sudden that was for sure yeah that's pretty much been this one it, it went from oh it's raining a bit and quite cold to why am i even carrying my hoodie what was the point of that it is too warm to carry this thing let alone wear it <laughs> Though it looks like it's going to be raining soon, so that's back to the England we know and amusingly tolerate. There was a punch cartoon of people walking in the rain. It was like, it'll be spring soon. Rain's getting warmer. Enough meteorological humour. We're here to talk about journalism? Maybe? Maybe not? (laughs) I I kind of went journalism on that one as well, so Mm. yeah. Who did this card come from? Do we... Uh, Spambot, uh, called Tara Lauren. Well, thank you, Spambot Tara Lauren. It's a weird name. <laughs> Honestly, who calls their kid Spambot? That's just asking for trouble. Or who names the Spambot? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, this is, that's true. That's it. Yeah. I think it shows a pleasing level of ownership. It's not just sending, sending the Spambot out there anonymously. It's sort of, a, you know, they possibly raised it right as a Spambot. I'm not really sure where this bit's going now that I find myself. We should probably. Uh, yeah. Abandon it at this stage. Abandon ship. All right. So we've got our ideas. We've also got some stuff from previous episodes that didn't make it in for reasons of time. So bit of a mixed bag. Um, who who wants to go first? I think you do, because if you're going to ask, I'm going to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, providing a bit of context, the, the big news is... In the UK, and I suspect worldwide as we're recording this, was the Manchester bombing at the concert. Hmm. The various, I'm not even going to call them gutter press media, because gutters at least have a purpose and these things don't, have been their usual appalling selves, uh, which has rather put media and being in the papers in my mind, but I was determined to try to find an actual positive spin on this one that that's commendable and i just realized that this has always been a distant concept we have in new zealand have a couple of not great but kind of have a facade of professionalism papers and you know occasionally there's a there's a there's a controversy there are generally more controversies about student publications to be honest and the usual sort of the tabloids that we get are glossy women's magazines, inverted commas. 
Yeah, you're stacked beside the supermarket checkout impulse purchase magazines that will invariably end up in a laundromat somewhere. Hmm. And we don't even get like the like the weekly world news or anything like that. We are. I may have seen copies somewhere at some point because I we know I knew of Bat Boy before the internet happened, or to the degree at which the Bat Boy became a became a phenomenon. But Bat Boy, the yeah you know, the Weekly World News, all the crazy oh B fifty two bomber found on Moon, uh, yep, this sort yep, of that, thing. The okay, classic stuff. That's classic. the stuff that doesn't even appear to. Whatever they've done is the opposite of research. It's more of take random clippings and throw them in the air sort of journalism. That's fair. <laughs> I think we used to have one of those. Was it the truth or something? Oh yes, it was a little. That was a little. Yeah, that may have been the. Um, that may have been the closest. That was mostly around racing results, I suspect. <laughs> Pretty much, it was. It was racing results and hilariously bullshit news articles. And it was. It was tiny and and slightly more shit than. The student magazines I mentioned. But yes. currently, you are in the land of... The sun doesn't exist anymore? They actually... No, sun still exists. Oh, wow. Okay, one of them kneecapped themselves entirely, didn't they? I'm not sure, but they, they, I've seen the sun. The, the, the Daily Mail, or as I've heard, okay. heard it referred to as the Daily Hile, um, still oh, exists. Oh. Yeah. Ow. Yeah, basically, I, I've tried to avoid looking at the shit recycling fodder uh, racks because they just make me very very angry with what they're doing and to be fair that is precisely their purpose yes <laughs> they're just trying mm. to make someone outraged possibly not for the same reason but you know that is the thing so yeah i can i can see that's so that must be a, a shift in perspective there are often infuriating and head slapping stuff in the various newspapers around Mostly do with house prices and avocado, but let's not go there. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes. I've, I, uh, I don't drink lattes or have avocado toast. Why do I not own a million-dollar mansion at this point? I just don't get it. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, I tried to put a, a, a come up with a positive spin on this, and looking at can we at least get through this without it being in all the papers puts me in mind of of a scene where you've got somebody delivers that line, and you just know that the next bit is going to be them opening the doors and there's cameras or something. Yeah, it's like the bit from Love Actually where the, the Prime Minister eventually meets up with love interest. They think they're being very sneaky. We'll keep this on the down low. Then the curtains open and they realize they're on stage and everybody has just seen them kiss. It's, it's that moment there. That, that is the line that is said slightly before it all goes to hell and they end up in the papers. For some reason, I think it was going to be the scene with Scott's flatmate in his underwear, but fair enough, that makes much more sense. There was a Scott's flatmate in the, his underwear? and I may be thinking of a different Hugh Grant film, or if this isn't a Hugh Grant film, something entirely different. Mm, I got nothing. Fair enough. So, yes. And, yeah, from this, the can we at least get through this without it being in all the papers, I very much get the vibe of whoever's, you know, whoever these people are, they're going to do a thing that they don't necessarily want to, they don't really want to do, but have to, and they're just trying to get it done. And basically, because of the whole media circus thing recently, what I've come up with is this. You've got a setting in which there are actual bona fide superheroes and supervillains. I'd go a little bit, a little bit four-color comic book code kind of territory where, you know, people will be, will be bashing away at each other but the death count is actually very, very low. 
there's a lot of speeches made and a lot of cackling. Yeah, but, well, it's, it's sort of you know the X the X Men yeah the, the the bog standard X Men you can throw anybody through a building and they're basically going to be okay once you get them out of the rubble hmm. sort of territory. Even yeah. if they don't have regenerative powers, it's just you know they'll be fine because it's a cartoon and that's how this thing works. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. Well, the player characters in this um, in this instance are, I think, a bunch of. It's a, a mixed group of superheroes and supervillains who are just the apocalyptically powerful end of the spectrum. The, mm-hmm. These are the absolute big hitters. And somewhere in the past, they've basically come to the conclusion, you know, much as tends to get suggested in various Batman films and in the Arrow TV show and in a few others, of you know, does the presence of this costume superhero actually cause the various ridiculous costumed supervillains. And I like the idea of you've got a group of these apocalyptically powerful heroes and villains who fought each other for years. And then at some point kind of taking a look around and realized, yeah, we're not actually making anything better. The villains Mm. plans always get disrupted. The heroes always disrupt it. The villains always escape from prison because there's realistically nothing that can hold them. The collateral damage is enormous and eventually you've got these this group who just said you know what enough and just stopped effectively went into hiding a bit like metro man from the megamind uh, movie just decided they didn't want to do it anymore that the even for the supervillains, the knock-on consequences were just too you know they didn't re- ever really get what they wanted and the knock-on consequences to everybody around them were, were too great. And so they've stopped. And then some big threat has come up that they've realized they're going to have to deal with, probably as a group. Mm. They don't particularly want to come back out into the limelight because that's going to start this whole stupid bullshit all over again. So they're trying to deal with this in a subtle way. Hence the line, all right, can we at least get through this without it being in the papers? And then presumably hmm. they open the doors and find that they're storming out into the middle of a restaurant or something. So, because these are the heavy hitters, you know, the alien invasion or whatever, is a, ser- is, a, is a credible threat. But it's kind of a foregone conclusion. But the outcome depends on how they handle it. I think so, yeah. I think this is a game where, yeah, there is, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but there is no question that this group is going to win. Just mm. no, there's no chance they're not going to win. There's not an element, there's not a huge element of personal risk in it for them. So it's not, mm. it's not your dirty dozen kind of situation. I see the game as being rather more about the, I'd sort of pick one of these systems that is good at dealing with inter- inter-party, inter-party stuff mm. in a somewhat comedic way. Because I think a lot of the fun is... Okay, so we need to do this. Well, we can just blast it with the eye lasers. Yeah, that's that's going to be really, really obvious. Hmm. How do we disguise a man firing laser beams from his eyes? Mm. <laughs> yeah, without anybody noticing. Well, maybe nobody will see. It's in Central Park. Tricky. This kind of thing. So, yeah, it's very much a how do you solve this problem? How do you do this? And to a certain extent, how can you drag in... Because it would be fun to to have a game where the you know, most of the conflicts are either trying to dodge paparazzi mm. media who are just desperate for the idea that, oh my god, the superheroes might be coming back. And indeed, 
your various shared history of beating each other up over the last couple of decades. So the the yeah, the, this, the the risk of celebrity is as big a threat, at least as the uh, the aliens. So maybe, maybe that's what soured the whole thing. It became it wasn't it, especially if it was a, a sort of like a full color golden or silver age setting. They may not have had secret identities. They may had have been the Scarlet Avenger or whatever the heck that they were. They they happened. That was their job. Mm. It was also kind of their personality, but. Um, so just to escape that, they had to kind of pretend to go away entirely. Yeah. And if it becomes apparent that, no, actually they didn't, they're still here, then that whole crap could just or would just start all over again. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where I would go with it. I'm hazy on what, the, what sort of system you would use. So if anybody out there in the audience has a has a suggestion or three, I'd love to hear them because it it would be nice to have bits of shared history having an impact, having a point, and having the connections between people having a point. You could do worse than the your role in somebody else's story mechanic from Spirit of the Century and Dresden Files. I've been having a thought as you've been talking about it. There is currently a very, very popular on the AP circuit uh, apocalypse engine game called Masks. Though it is, oh. this, is a, this is aimed at newbie superheroes, people just coming into their powers, the teen titan scale of things, where other people's authorities, other people's control over your lives versus your control over your powers and whether you represent the... Um, you're playing like the beacon, the naive kind of not dramatically effective su- uh, superhero, but the, the, there's one who's supposed to be the, the, the inspiration or the Nova, somebody who can't quite control their fantastic powers and they're struggling with that. It would be a fair amount of effort, but spinning up a version of Apocalypse World of that nature, but about crusty old world breakers. Mm. And, and to have actually point them at point them at each other to a degree because you know that's something Apocalypse World does very well, but also have them struggling with being a colossal showboat or being carried away with the, the mad scientist obviously on an over elaborate, overly overly um, engineered plan. And yeah, in lieu of that, I think Fate would probably work pretty well. I can't believe I forgot about masks. Damn. Yeah, it's not quite. It's not quite right because there's, as I think I've, I've said that the, you know, the idea of the apocalypse engine stuff works very well when it's tightly focused on themes and so forth and what you're doing. So it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a quick fix, but it could be done, and mm. it does. Yeah, it does strike me that you can. Yeah, as you say, the the having people aimed at least a little bit at each other. And it's it's kind of well, it's, it's where a chunk of the fun comes from. Mm. And fate would provide you with those sorts of levers and compels and so forth, where it's not just we go somewhere remote and clobber the aliens. You can you can figure out their approaches and how they how they do the job. I'm actually thinking one of the things about the motivation for them being this, this unusual situation. There is the. There's a Rick Veitch comics. Um, Megam... No, uh, Max Immortal? Yeah, the Max Immortal and Brat Pack. 
horrible, mm. horrible superhero comics. All of the worst kind of tropes about relationships with teenage wards and, and it, things yeah, like that. Yeah, it did yeah, read yeah. like a superhero comic written by somebody who hates superhero comics and the people who read them. I'm sure that's not the case, but that's what it feels like. (laughs) It had aspects to that. But one of the reasons that the current, that that crop of quite despicable um, superheroes was running around was that the Maximortal, this superhero, this Superman-like character, had vanished. And part of the reason that the the world was in that, the, the world was in that much strife was that they had relied on this this messianic superhero to save them from things like runaway nuclear power plants. So the safety standards were lax. They had you know they would they didn't invest in the policing was 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 lax and corrupt. And all of those things that could be fixed by a flying guy with eye beams, they'd let the flying guy with eye beams fix them. And right at some point he'd just gone screw the lot of you and left. So you, the the heroes and maybe even the villains at this point may have decided, you know, what we're doing isn't accomplishing anything. We're just getting, you know, interesting scars and, and not actually having any fun. Plus, it's making the rest of the world we live in unable to survive us existing or not existing. We need to, we need to get their dependency, especially the, um, the tabloid dependency, out of their systems we've got to just disappear and maybe mm. that's that's the that's the pact they make which is an interesting thing well, there's something that i can remember coming up in it may have come up in the comic watchman and it may have come up in one of the the one of the previous iterations of the flash tv series but i do remember a sequence of old yeah old retired superhero ends up in bar surrounded by a bunch of criminals and the interaction between them is actually kind of friendly hmm they were a known quantity this was how the world worked yeah sort of a yeah he beat up a bunch of us and put us in prison but that was his job and he was never cruel about it that was how the game was played we understood it everyone everyone understood it. He, he was never vindictive or, or petty or you know they they had a mutual respect and maybe yeah mm. it's 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 evolved to that point and i think maybe part of the part of the story would be tapping old contacts and going oh you're getting the band back together i was like no there were two different bands for a start and we still we don't want to go back to that life however this week we're doing a bit of work on the side yeah, this week we've got an alien invasion to deal with. Yeah, I think, as you say, fate, probably fate accelerated if you wanted something quick. I mean, you could have a lot of fun with Spirit of the Century, mm. though maybe update a few chunks of the rules to to fate core, or just go fate core. Could do it, but the masks approach would be an interesting one as well. Mm. You'd have to rewrite all of the um, the splats. and. Well, yeah tweak them to a degree at least yeah you can still do the you know the, the mad scientist the i mean basically you could just take any x-men cartoon run down the list of the heavy hitters that'll get you 50 percent of the way there if you can cover those in a few classes you're about halfway there already check in a couple of the others and you're golden hmm. and you could just go with you know you know the mutant the cyborg the tank maybe i don't know it depends if you're trying to do like you're trying to do it thematically or by power set so yeah 
and it's I think theme may be the or role in the group may be the um, if for this particular thing since since it's not going to it doesn't sound like it's going to be heavy heavy tactical mm. combat focused it'd be more about how they get things done rather than what yeah. the trappings are the, yeah theme based to be well you could actually do worse just thinking about it than at least taking some of the hints from the the leverage RPG mm. of yeah the mastermind. The hitter, the I forget what the description was for the Parker equivalent. Just the thief or the uh... yeah the thief yeah tweak tweak them around a bit but yeah yeah I mean you, you may have things like the 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 hitter can knock down buildings and the 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 hacker does uses mystic portals rather than you know computers yeah. but yeah you can or the intru yeah you know, the, the 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 thief just appears just walks through walls this sort of thing. And you could work it as rather than you know like just quietly defeating the enemy, the part of your role is to make sure that your fellow inhabitants of the earth feel they you're actually playing a support role. You're actually getting things to the right place, making sure that sabotage or other other attempts are foiled before they they can take place, rather than actually taking it that sort of taking it on the chin. You make sure that the the world in general does a fair amount of the stuff. You're not trying to hide hide the existence of the alien invasion. That's probably a bit a bit But much. you are you are trying to hide the fact that you had anything to do with stopping it. Mm. So the the world can say, well we got lucky because the aliens got got really unlucky in a couple of cases. If their fuel dump hadn't inexplicably exploded, we would have been screwed. This sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that that was that. That was that was my idea. Cool. It definitely sounds like a different sort of approach to a supers game. It sounds pretty intriguing. Would have a lot of player agency involved. It's one of those things about superhero games. Is like you have the you can play superheroes who are super reactive and they go and stop the villains' plans because otherwise they're not being superheroes. Mm. And then you get them you know, the players to play villains and they go, "What do we do? Anything we like?" And it gets really difficult to predict. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because they're suddenly the proactive ones. Uh, that's why I quite liked uh, the game Better Angels. Yeah. I, the, the, the session of that I played at Gen Con, because you're kind of in the situation of, of doing both, that you've got your own agency, but you're also dealing with quite literally your own demons and everybody else's. Yep. Hmm. Cool. So... Do we want to do your idea? Do we want to pick one of the write-ins? Um, we should probably stay on topic for the moment. So okay. I went sl- well back to the origin of tabloid journalism, back to the era of America in the 1890s where they had the the circulation wars and the, the, was the birth of yellow journalism, hmm. which basically they established you know the principles of tabloid things having lots of Big, scary headlines, images, what we would today refer to as clickbait and basically manufactured shit <laughs> and lots of colourful things to attract the proles, I'm pretty sure is the uh, thing, because there were two huge force at the time, Joseph Pulitzer, William Randall Hearst. Both names that still come up these days, I mean, the, the Pulitzer mm. Prize is... is the kind of de facto thing about journalism and William Randall Hearst got Susan Cain made after him. So yeah, hmm. there's definitely a, a, an impact there. The name yellow journalism comes from an actual cartoon strip by 
Richard F. Outcott called the Yellow Kid, which is this odd figure in a kind of a shapeless yellow garment who often had things written on him, on, on the garment and so forth, and was doing wacky non-sequitur stuff, which amused which amused folks. But part of the circulation drive, part of the, the, you know, the appeal of the papers was that they had really outrageous headlines and they also had all of this con- the, the, this like content, the funny pages in them, and so forth. It was a and it was huge business. It was like it was insane, insanely profitable kind of thing. And they were they're basically in a, in a race to the bottom, yeah, uh, <laughs> to some degree. Though you know, it would, from that the concept of like personal privacy, what someone can write about you in papers, journalistic ethics, and so forth, were developed because of the that period. I was thinking in like the 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 heady year of like eighteen ninety six or something that you have party of it might actually be split between a couple of rival newspapers or independent journalists gathering news and they're kind of co competitive in a way they you know they 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 work in the same sphere they are strictly speaking they want to get the jump on one another but they they work in in the same field they've got the level of respect and there may be a team of 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 writers maybe sketch artists because this is a little bit early for photography being a reliable mobile thing but maybe some some support characters muscle and the like and as part of this 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 race for numbers they discover that the newspaper they 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 work for most commonly has been approached with a marvelous secret new process a new technique that makes the you know the the ink and the, the the printing more vivid, and it makes the, the you know the, the, the pictures really really stand out and so forth. It's very it's very cheap, so the, and it's but it's it's it makes the, the newspapers almost hypnotic. It, naturally, it's substance in the ink, of course. And the paper they work for mo- most turns out to be between the party. The Venn diagram overlaps. It means that independently, both major circulation uh, papers are being approached apparently independently with this process. And it's not so much... Well, it's not a great thing that the, that the, the, the is like a mildly hallucinogenic narcotic in the newspaper ink, but that's not a great thing. It's the fact when the withdrawal kicks in, the sufferers are apt to perish and or kill other people, go into fits of homicidal rage and so forth. And the entire thing is an evil plan to during this time of the you know, expansion of the newspapers and a, and a, a time of, of growth and, and, and prosperity in America, which I believe it was. It's certainly the, the tail end of the robber barons and so forth. This, this, this group of journalists have put the... Because they're good, they're, good, they're, they're good observant characters keeping their ears to the ground. This is a totally batshit story. They have somewhat given, gotten the reputation for coming up with batshit stories... So their credibility is it, it's dubious for things about alarming uh, prophecies of doom. Yeah, actually, they've got a bit of a problem in that space. Other things people print, you know, just, you know, you know scandals or, you know, whispers about exposed ankles and the like. Yeah, they were, they, they, they were pretty unhappy. This is, this seems a bit out of, this seems a bit weird, but they, so they have to band together to make sure they can get through all this without it all, getting into all the papers. Hmm. Interesting. Extremely literal, which is quite nice. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it's what I wound up on. It's literally, it's like, oh, I think, hey, I recall when paper, when dinosaur blogs were a thing. I Wait, what? Dinosaur, dinosaur blog, blogs? Newspaper. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I was not familiar with that term. I can't remember where I got it from. I think it was probably a webcomic. Yeah. Actually, I'll see if I can Google that one quickly. No, no. There are blogs about dinosaurs. There are too many blogs about dinosaurs. I, I think you're wrong. I think there cannot be too many blogs about dinosaurs. Uh, I may never find it at this point. <laughs> never going to get it. Not this never. time. Never, never going to get it. <laughs> so, the problem with newsprint is that you got transfer of ink. That would rub off. I just thought, huh, we'll go with that. What I don't have is appropriate a villain. So, the sort of villain who would... If it was contemporary, it would totally be, like, Fu Manchu or something. But that's kind of a problem. <sighs> okay, so you've got an additive in the ink, which makes people keep buying the paper, but also leads to uncontrollable madness. Yep. All right. Madness and destruction? Yeah, more than likely, because, you know, they, at this stage, literacy was high enough that, you know, newspaper was was everywhere, and it was the main means of getting information out to people. I'd go with, there's a comment that's been made about Scooby-Doo, that the central lesson of Scooby-Doo is that whenever something evil is going about, it's usually an old white guy trying to do some sort of money-making scheme. So, <laughs> working on that... It's a sound principle is yet to be proved wrong very often, but fair enough. Um, sorry, old rich white guy looking to make more money. Uh, often with a re and and if we go with the um, uh, sort of the comments about Superman and Lex Luthor, that practically everything Lex Luthor ever did was some sort of real estate scam. Mm. Uh, was was the argument? So if we kind of combine these, then what you got is a newspaper that will encourage people to keep buying the newspaper. So income stream will hopefully spread to other newspapers and will eventually cause people to go completely mad. That feels like a self-funding land grab to me. Mm, it does. Um, I, I suspect the, the trigger would be cutting off supply of the, the, uh, the amazing new product and just you know, letting, letting, you know, letting your, uh, the populace go cold turkey all of a sudden would be the, the, the evil scheme. And then you swoop in and buy up the derelict town, farm, whatever, for a song. Hmm. I think it's a, it's, it's a, la yeah, it's a land grab. It's just that, uh, yeah, because who would possibly want to buy that land? It's, you know, something on the land made people go completely mad. Uh, except, of course, if you know what on that land made them completely mad because you're the one who shipped it in. So, yeah, I'd go with your, your bog-standard evil speculator villain who not only has found a way of clearing those proles off the land so that he can get it at a bargain, he's actually made, found, found a way of making them pay to be evicted. If it, if it was for a, a, a relatively isolated setting, yeah, that would definitely work. I was thinking more of, like, the eastern seaboard, but, you know, maybe just a sense of scale thing. Yeah. And if you're doing... Okay, so if it's the entire eastern seaboard... Mm. The America was at war with Spain at the time, so maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. It would, it would feel very to put it with this sort of nefarious plot. 
at the feet of a sex Roma character like Fu Manchu or something like that. Just a bit, just obviously a bit tacky these days. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted, yes, if you you could you could have the villain who sort of go with the villain who wants to bring the the, the place to its knees. Kai Gamora from the the Authority. Hmm. Yeah. Who basically was destroying stuff just because he wanted to is, and he was very much the Fu Manchu ripoff character. Mm. Can't decide whether you want to have something that is. is it, when was Robert Murdoch born? The the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> Ru- Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Mur- Ru- Rupert Murdoch. Yes. <laughs> Is that, I don't that's, know. That's too early, I believe. Unless he is actually some sort of. I'd, I'd always assumed he was extruded. Right. Fair some sort of, yeah, you know, some sort of vile process <laughs> caused him to, to to squeeze into this world. I'm sure if you, if you had a setting where it was sort of pseudo Victorian set in America, a bit Cthulhu-y, maybe a bit Penny Dreadful. Like the mm. lines of that show, you could find someone suitably diabolical. Well, if you're taking out the entire eastern seaboard and you just want to destroy it, then either you want the stuff that's there, mm. or you simply want the eastern seaboard taken out of the way. If it's just to take them out of the way, then some level of international trade would seem to be the would seem to be the chosen the, the, the chosen target, unless you've got some incredibly vile. Um, industrialist on the either on the west coast of, of the states or just somewhere in the middle who was sick of the fact that all of the trading money and everything gets to the east coast and never gets any further and mm. wouldn't it be so much better if all of that money oh chicago i forget when chicago was founded but if you had somebody who was just sufficiently evil to think well we're not getting as much trade into the city that i have this wonderful uh, business in because Everybody is just going to the East Coast. Well, screw it. Let's just get rid of the East Coast. <laughs> I think it must need something a little bit more um, peppy than a uh, than a newspaper-born hallucinogenic. But uh, I like I like your I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> yeah, they can't go to Philadelphia and New York and Boston if those cities are in ruins. They'll have to come to Chicago. <laughs> That might be a bit extreme, but yeah. Yeah. Alternatively, you just look for the one city on the East Coast where that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Where is the one city where that newspaper or that newspaper ink isn't happening? Hmm. Why? That would be Arkham. Hmm. Yes. So, yeah, the idea that literally you are trying to keep something out of the papers, the thing is, as a, as a physical agent. Hmm. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And the historical setting has a nice, a nice fun vibe to it. Hmm. And it still does seem quite contemporary. Apparently, the uh, newspapers of the time were he- heavily bound to one political party or the other, and there was a lot of whipping up of of resentment against the uh, against the the perceived enemies of the state and so forth. So, yeah. thank goodness that doesn't happen anymore. Indeed, we live in such an enlightened age. Oh, yes. Right. Anyway, um, <clears throat> moving on. I mean, you could get a you could get a Deadlands plot out of that one. Mm, somebody slipping ghost rock into the papers or something. You could you legitimately have some sort of Ghostbusters scale occult apocalypse kind of thing if that was the case. 
Yeah, if the I mean the whole part of the whole thing in there is just raising up that fear level, and if mm. you've got cities all along the coast just being gripped by madness and tearing themselves apart, that should do the job nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, there is a there is a Deadlands plot in there. Definitely. So yeah, cool. All right. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So we had a tagline submitted. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, burning, burning cropped up on the forums to say, you know, with, with the response to, can we at least get through this without being in the papers? The tagline of, the game of ever-diminishing expectations. I'm not sure what he means, but it sounds soul-crushing. Um, if you went with the, well, I think Fiasco had the tagline of, you know, the game of powerful ambition and poor impulse control. Hmm. And given that there's a line in there of, yeah, maybe you and your girlfriend figured you could scare your wife into a divorce, but things went pear-shaped, and now a, ga- a gang of cranked-up Mexicans with latex gloves and a pit bull are looking for you. It seemed like such a good idea at the time. Hmm. So, yeah, based on that, the can we at least get through this without it being in all the, ugh, all the papers, a game of diminish- ever-diminishing expectations, kind of feels to me like... Yeah, like like the the sort of the farce game of just everything goes wrong, just one thing after another in your plan goes wrong. Mm. So Home Alone from the Wet Bandits' point of view. Yes. Uh, what else? So and that's that's probably the big one that comes comes to my mind. I'm not a hundred percent what you'd use for a system a system on that one, but you have effectively got. Actually, you could maybe do something by tweaking. Pilgrims of the Flying Temple. But it's a nice game about happy things. <laughs> I think this could be made. Yeah, you'd have to tweak it a little bit, but yeah, you'd have, well, you'd have to tweak it more than more than a little bit. But just that notion of, you know, you've got a plan, a thing happens, something will go wrong during that plan, and so there will be a successful resolution, sort of. Mm. Yeah. So it'd be like the. Yeah, if you think of sort of heist story where the people doing the heist aren't bad people they're not a hundred percent doing it for bad reasons and at the end of the day they don't really get what they came for but they walk away with something even if it's a salutary lesson that bank robbery is bad okay hmm. that's kind of what i'm thinking hmm. and i could make reference to i don't know is came a hot friday Far too obscure a film to to name drop. Pretty obscure. Yep. So so we should totally name drop it because. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be that'll be great for us street cred. Indeed. Yes. Okay. So if uh, yes, if you've seen the film, the, the New Zealand film came a hot Friday. It does have that kind of thing in it that there is a an amount of criminal activity that occurs in the film, and you know effectively the bad guys don't do so well out of it the good guy or the, the person sort of led in by yeah, led astray by them eh, comes out of it mostly okay. I'm kind of getting that vibe from that tagline. Sort mm. of like, we're gonna be millionaires. We're gonna be rich. We'll do okay. We're not going to jail and that's a win. Yeah. Oh, we've arranged for somebody else to go to jail in our place and they totally deserved it. Hmm. That's where I'd go with it, go go to with that one. Okay. Yeah. Also, if you've ever wanted to see a New Zealand Maori comedian portraying his own deranged version of a stereotypical Mexican bandit, see Came a Hot Friday. Mm. 
I think it actually gets called out in the film specifically that he's an idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Bernie. I, I'm not sure we did anything particularly good with that idea of yours, but uh, there you go. Uh, what else do we have? We have something that Kitabono found, but I'm not sure which episode this was tagged to. I think it was just something he found. Okay. Because, yeah, it had been lurking for a little while and just kind of been been shuffled along because of time. Hmm. This is the, the superhero thing? Yes. I can read that if you like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where he found this. I'm going to... I suspect it was cut out of something. The tagline was Falling Ivy. So probably a web, web forum or something, and that was... Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want a superhero story in which the superhero is one of those normal kid gets superpowers through freak accident and goes out and fights crime. And, of course, runs into the supervillain at some point and tries to take them down. And the villain, a couple of minutes into the fight, realizes they're fighting a literal child and has just had an internal freakout about this new development. Because, fine, I've got plans to steal all the world's largest gems. I'm generally not a nice person, but holy shit, there's a kid coming at me. This is a kid. I can't with this. I think it might have been Tumblr. <laughs> it has that vibe, yeah. So the supervillain, instead of trying to hurt their nemesis, goes through all these complicated hands to trap them or put them to sleep or stick them in a large tank or something so they can go ahead with their plans. Sometimes at work, the supervillain spends a harried half-hour lecturing... The supervillain spends a harried half-hour lecturing the superhero about maybe going to school and being safe as of doing this. That would be nice. The supervillain staying up at night, occasionally wondering if the tiny superhero is out trying to get themselves killed right at this moment. The supervillain sending out henchmen, ninjas, to tail the superhero and help out if he looks like he's ever going to get killed. The supervillain takes to pacing around, muttering to themselves about parenting and responsibility and how they never signed up for this shit. Actually petitioning their version of the Justice League to have someone step in and do something about this. That kid has to be like 12. <laughs> what are you all thinking? Bonus points if the kid has no parents and the villain finds this out and spends the night internally screaming about it. Basically, I want a supervillain un- to unwittingly become a super-worried parent of the kid who is actively trying to foil their every plan and topple their evil regime. That's awesome. Yeah, it could totally be a Pixar film of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be, it could be, it could be you're staggeringly cute if you did, like, a Megamind sequel or something. Could, it, it could work in a number of different ways, but yes, the idea that, yes, I am totally supervillain, uh, super I am the hardest bastard ever. Ah, crap. The chink in their armor. Is, yeah, I like it. It puts me a little bit in mind of, there's the webcomic The Young Protectors. Mm-hmm. Um, I will slap a non not safe for work warning on that one. Well, the, the tagline for that one basically has... The, the sort of the, the splash image for that one has two characters looking the other direction and just the tagline of superhero, supervillain. It's complicated. <laughs> and it is, the, the core of it is a relation, yeah, is, is about the relationship between a superhero and a supervillain. And part of what comes up is the, the, the rules that, the rules that everybody plays by concerning kind of the age of superheroes and supervillains that, you know, there is, there is a rule out there of we do not mess with kids. Yeah, mm. past a certain age, yeah, you know, over, over over sort of arbitrary age, you're considered to be an, an adult. If you get yourself killed, well, that's your business. Below a certain age, if somebody starts threatening you, both the su- superheroes and the supervillains are going to have words. So, kind of getting that vibe here as well. Hmm. I do like though with this one. I do get the idea of 
you know, the supervillain is way more concerned about this kid's welfare than the the Justice League equivalent. Yeah, if if the if the Justice League equivalent were like a bunch of assholes, like the the bunch and the boys or something, not not even not even that diabolical, just detached and you know who cares? Yeah, they don't really give a shit. Or if they're so so high, sort of bureaucratically, well, actually bureaucratically high bound, high bound is the wrong word. So so fixated on supervillain nefarious scheme that they're spending all their time trying to work out what the villain's up to to the extent that they never actually check into this the situation with this kid that obviously the kid is some sort of distraction and the supervillain wants the justice league entirely focused on this so they can do this other nefarious thing meanwhile the villain's going no look it's a 12 year old who's going to get themselves killed yes the the supervillain's nefarious plan is get some sleep yeah <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. I think it could be part of an element, an element of a game. It could really be a focus of a game, though. At least it's a really, a really, very tightly bundled two-player game. Maybe even a one-player game with with you know with a with, with a, a GM playing mm. the part of the of the annoying kid, the annoying kid, and the world that's not not helping things going along. But I think it, yeah, it sounds like a very very it's it's a diversion of some sort yeah. yeah it could be a bit too diverting i like i like the idea i, to- I totally see the movie yeah it would make a fantastic movie the clueless superhero the clueless newbie superhero taking on like top tier not world smasher but you know a villain who's all that except they have an achilles heel or achilles heart or something yeah <laughs> Yeah. They're a villain, they're not a monster, mm. as it were. Yeah, I can see this. If you're doing a, a, a longish term supers campaign, that'd be a fantastic thread to have weaving through it because you can sort of introduce Super Kid. You can have this villain going along. You can have just sort of background fights happening. And then eventually maybe the villain turning up to our heroes asking for help on this situation because the justice league uh, equivalent is just sitting on their hands. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. The idea that, especially if it was the, the villain in question was a part-time nemesis for the party. And they realized, holy shit, he's right. We have to help him. Mm. And they're, they're not much better off dealing with the, that it's still kid gloves. Ah, that would be a good, yeah, that'd be an awesome name. I'm not like some sort of power glove thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he got, he Kid got, gloves. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb enough. That, that, and, yeah, that, yeah, that totally works. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they're as constrained as the villain, but they've just—they may have a chance to talk Kid around. That would be an, mm-hmm. that would be an interesting way to throw a little bit of more humanizing light on a villain. Pretty cool. Hmm. Okay, so that's like I said, that's a cool idea, and it would be making it gameable would be a bit interesting. On top of that, speaking of which, would you like to read Burning's idea for Scorpion Dancing? All right, okay. Burning writes So, for Scorpion Dancing, I've got two things. One is a horrible, barely an idea, which let's face it is our bread and butter, that came to me while listening to the show. I have no memory of what sparked it, just that I was listening to the show. Quite simply, it is a reality show that mixes Survivor with Dancing with the Stars, and yes, I do feel bad for even thinking of it. I don't know how it's not a show already, but yep, fair enough. To be honest, I'd be more likely to watch that than either Survivor or Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, 
I mean, if you can get the Great British Bake Off in there as well, done. Sold. Ballroom Royale. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I'm imagining fight sequences. That's just <laughs> where I went with it. Sort of tango, 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 spin, whack. I mean, they've already done certain bits of that in Middleman. There's an episode of Middleman that had that, the dance of death or something that is was basically just martial arts sequence slash dance routine. Anyway, for something less horrible and more playable, Scorpion dancing from the very beginning had the sound to me of a sort of ritual combat. I poked at that idea for a while without getting anything resembling a plot until I thought of Minoan bull dancing or bull leaping as an analogue. Given the choice between giant scorpions or really small people, I gravitated towards the latter. <laughs> at that point, I realised that I was basically mentally, tra- mentally transplanting the wee free men into the Mojave Desert. So what sort of adventure exactly would a bunch of badass pixies get up to in the American Southwest? I went through a mental list of middle-of-nowhere tropes and settled on a diner hostage situation. Your band is settled in the vicinity of a last chance for gas and grubber business. The waitress makes periodic offerings of old French fries and the occasional milkshake. So when a bunch of panicky idiots on the run from the law pull out their guns and take over the place, you take it kind of personally. Take out the gang without getting any of the hostages shot. Bonus points if you can actually get one of them stung by a scorpion. Fair enough. That's pretty cool. I mean, the first the, the first idea, I I have no idea how you'd make a uh, game of Survivor plus Dancing with the Stars. Maybe a laugh, but you could get a hell of a comedic special out of that one. Hmm. But yes, the, the wee, wee free men ideally still make them unbelievably Scottish. Just as a... A tribute to, to Sir Terry. Tiny bullet-headed... Not quite nature spirits. Yeah. Tiny little blue tilted terrors. Mm. Mm, I like it, yeah. At a diner somewhere in the Mojave Desert. Dealing with the modern day. Yeah, dealing with a... Shades of... Was it from dusk till dawn? There was... A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Kind of in a a reverse kind of thing, rather than the... um, the fleeing into the arms of vampires they turn up they end up staying and discovering that the supernatural menace is more um head butty yeah short and violent which yep. is saying something given from dusk till dawn but i think the wee yeah. free men are vastly more violent than uh, than vampires <laughs> pound for pound definitely yeah. yeah yeah okay that's pretty cool it would be yeah it's just like a little pocket adventure of some sort yeah you could get a, a fun one shot out of that one um Definitely the kind of thing you'd put down, like, the map for the entire thing, so you'd plenty of like, things to inspire ideas and, you know, and you know, give them hints of what appliances are lying around and generally get the party go hog wild. Actually, yeah, so they'd need to have, yeah, map of the place, map of the kitchen, some information on the various staff who work there, because there's clearly somebody who believes in them mm. enough to put out offerings... But there's presumably going to be other people who think that's completely nuts. Why are you doing that? Yeah, and you know, and, and if as part of the 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 positive outcome, astounding and convincing one of the other you know locals that you exist in a circumstance where they're never going to actually try and exploit that information. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun. That would be great, great one shot material. I mean, it, I would be idly. I don't know, Fate, Fate Accelerated seems to be my go-to at the moment. It would do a solid enough job. There might be something better. 
but you know, for that sort of environment, we're, yeah, for that that sort of game, where really the fun is going to be in how do you solve this particular problem mm. more than I roll my scorpion lobbing skill and get a seventeen. Yeah, equally, quags would probably do the job. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you, Burning, because yeah, that's I, I kind of want to play that game to to be honest, because that sounds quite fun. Uh, Taz from the Featherboot forums has pitched. Um, Scorpion Dancing is the name of an Eclipse Phase adventure I have not written yet. The PCs are sent to a Jovian research facility and arrive sleeped in bodies of scorpion morphs in order to survive the crushing gravity and pressure. The dancing comes to the fact that everything involves local factions and politics that the PCs need to dodge and weave through. Can they solve murders, uncover the mysteries, and survive the backstabbing that awaits them? Nice. Yeah, that, that totally embraces the, uh, the two-word title. Yeah, and the idea of scorpion morphs mm-hmm. on the surface of jupiter assuming there is such a thing yeah, there isn't really a surface you'd probably be operating on some sort of lighter than jovian atmosphere the same way you, you the, the same way you'd colonize venus mm. have something scudding on the clouds but still you would want something super stable and probably good for holding on and because of the uh, the wet, local weathers but a bit, a bit dodgy yeah, and you know, and if you fall, uh, an extra limb or two to to not fall with would be extremely helpful. Indeed, cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's nicely wrapped up and good name for that sort of that sort of scenario. Cool. Yeah, scuttling around on either platforms or hydrocarbon foam within the context of incredibly dense environment. So mm. you're effectively wandering, yeah, wandering around on icebergs. Or yeah, hydrocarbon bergs in a sea of methane, locally speaking. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, nice. Mm. Yes, I am actually going to attempt to um, get into an Eclipse Phase game of some sort at uh, this year's Gen Con. Awesome. Because I've never played Eclipse Phase and it looked interesting. Mm. Yeah, that that would be kind of cool. And thank you, Taz, because, yeah, scorpion dancing. Also, you get to play a scorpion. There's not that many games where you can do that. Indeed. <laughs> Channel your inner scorpion. Ah, all right. So that looks like that is all we have for can we at least get through this without it being in all the papers? All right. Well, thank you, everybody, who sent ideas. For those ideas that have been scudding around for a bit before actually making it into a show, thank you for your patience. For anybody listening who is going to Gen Con this year, we are recording this on the Saturday immediately before Event Reg, so um, good luck. May the odds be ever in your favour. <laughs> uh, may my odds be very slightly better than yours if you're going after the one session of Pugmire that seems to be on offer. You're you're going to be fighting an uphill battle there. You've, have you ordered any? or um... No, no, I... I thought I'd actually just see if I can get into that one session. There's a couple of sessions of the Monarchies of Mao being run as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't really fancy my chances, but we'll see what happens. Indeed. Yes, part of tomorrow morning's uh, exercise will be just going through the wish list and kind of making sure the priorities are roughly what they should be. Mm-hmm. I have made the They Might Be Giants concerts the absolutely top priority because it's a They Might Be Giants concert. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> It, it seemed reasonable to me under the circumstances. Oh. Um, yeah, so, 
that was our episode. Thank you very much for listening. And next time, we will return with... What is the next one, Ben? Do not miss a visit to the muse. I'm, I'm trying desperately not to make a joke about a cattery. It's not spelled Me- like that. <laughs> but fair oh. enough. <laughs> well, now I just look foolish. <laughs> Indeed. And also because of all the other things I do that make me look foolish. <laughs> that that probably contributes. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you for our contributors. And we will see you next time. Bye now. Bye-bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to H-O-A-R-D-E and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.